On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. That doesn't mean that it thinks in the sense of a human thinking, but it appears to think. Artificial intelligence is the hot phrase these days, but Americans say they distrust it. More state funding for business childcare. And in our business profile, you'll hear about a family-owned company that has sold automobiles in North Iowa for 110 years. This is the Iowa Business Report for the final weekend of October 2023. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. A Grinnell College National Poll released this past week showed that a plurality of Americans are skeptical about the impact of AI, artificial intelligence. Yet it's a major factor in business development today. To learn more about the field and how it is viewed, I connected with Dr. Carla Erickson, professor of sociology at Grinnell. Artificial intelligence is the computational work that it takes to teach machines how to do tasks that are ordinarily done by humans in the realm of intelligence versus physical labor, as with robotics. That's how I would describe artificial intelligence. That doesn't, as you can tell from that definition, it doesn't say much, but that's because artificial intelligence captures a wide array of capacities. That alone distinguishes things from what some people think of of smart robots. Well, you're not talking about a mechanical task done by a programmed robot. You're talking about something that is pulling information from a variety of sources to generate potentially new content. Precisely. So artificial intelligence is an umbrella term that covers a lot of different techniques. One technique is machine learning in which there's less direction from the human that's training the machine and the machine is given some guardrails and it's allowed to kind of go out and experiment and try to learn for itself. So that's under the umbrella of artificial intelligence. Another kind of artificial intelligence that we're all getting used to, you and me and everybody on the planet, is generative artificial intelligence in which, like you said, rather than Siri, for example, which is like an assistant that many of us are familiar with, Siri can go and kind of search the internet for us and do that quite quickly. Generative artificial intelligence takes what's out there and, like you said, it combines it in new and different ways. That doesn't mean that it thinks in the sense of a human thinking, but it appears to think because it creates, you know, unique or original pairings of information. Is it too simplistic to say that the material that one might receive through Mm -hmm. this generative process is only as good as the material that goes into it? We used to hear the phrase garbage in, garbage out, and I wonder if there's an analogy here. No, I think you're spot on with that. In my classes on sociology of machines, I talk about GIGO, about garbage in, garbage out. The thing about the new generations of chatbots that are emerging, it's funny to use the word generation, right, Jeff, because we're talking generations that are six weeks apart. What you'll see with them is that they have fewer hallucinations, are more recognizable to us, human-esque in their responses, things like that. But even the best of the chatbots, and there's a whole range of artificially intelligent chatbots, they are usually backward trained. You know, some of them, their training ends in 2021. So there's a lot of stuff that they don't know about. They seem to capture some things better than others. So if you ask ChatGPT, which is probably the chatbot that we know the best, it knows about me and it thinks I'm an expert in youth development, which is not correct. And it doesn't know about one of my best friends who's way more famous and important as a scholar than I am. Never heard of him. 
<laughs> and so because people who create artificial intelligence, they like create it and then they set it loose kind of. And so they also don't know why it sometimes hallucinates or misses things and other times gets it right. So one of my favorite recent quotes was one of the founders of AI was asked like, well, how much should we trust these things right now, given that they hallucinate? And of course, hallucinating in human language is lying, right? Like when humans make up information, we call it lying. But when he was being interviewed, one of the scientists that produce AI said, well, anything inside of your organization that you currently trust a six-year-old psychotic child to be in charge of, definitely replace that with artificial intelligence. <laughs> so I thought it was like a funny way of talking to business leaders, which is like, these are interesting tools, they're intriguing, but they cannot be relied upon. So in higher ed right now, we're saying like, this is a wacky conversational partner. It can help you generate ideas just like any other wacky conversational partner, but it is not an authority. It's a pretty low bar to say the psychotic six-year-old. <laughs> I thought but, that was pretty funny. <laughs> but yet we have so many businesses manufacturing. For example, they talk about how this is going to help in the future. Well, are we jumping a little too quickly to this or is it a good idea because it could pan out, but let's put the brakes on a little. Yeah, it's such a great point. So I've been working on this since 2016, so I could see some of these changes coming. What I didn't see coming is an incredibly strong labor market. And so like some of the pressure right now, there would have been a rush towards having the best AI, obviously, because there's just like a mountain of money to be made. But another one of the motivators, like for smaller firms, like what you're saying, Jeff, is, you know, when you're in a labor environment where you're having a lot of trouble finding humans to do the things that you need, it does intensify the interest, of course, in automation because it gets you out of looking for humans. <laughs> so I think that those two forces are kind of combining in a way that's pretty surprising for me because I've been studying labor for 30 years. And this is the strongest job market in the U.S. pretty much in my lifetime. Was this the natural evolution then? based upon, again, your three decades of research yeah. in the field, is this the logical extension once we all started carrying many computers in our hands, things that used to be a phone, but that's hardly what we use it for? Yeah, I mean, it's been really shocking to me how, like, you know, I'm 50 and how people my age, a lot of this remains sci-fi for a long time. And then recently there's been a lot of accelerations, I would say, and those have to do with, like, computing capacity, some real breakthroughs in the technology behind all of this. And so these things that seemed really far off are kind of suddenly here. And so the example that I give is, you know, like in 2017, a reporter asked me if chatbots would be good at teaching us empathy. And I was like, I mean, have you talked to Siri lately? Like, she's kind of disappointed pointing. I don't think so. But now we're getting these things that are so as if human. I mean, they're very compelling, right? So we have people who are using chatbot therapists or are talking to chatbots like a romantic partner. And that all has to do with the level of mimicry and, and you know, and it's very compelling mimicry, right? And like you said, I think there's some conditioning there. Like we're so kind of tight with our phones already. We rely on our phones for so many things that it really, like we have trouble imagining a life without our phones, a day without our phone is very difficult. And so all of that kind of lays the groundwork for what I say is an ever deepening intimacy with machines. Do you find that there is a distinction? And obviously the Grinnell College National Poll surveyed this sort of thing. Is there a distinction between age groups or between genders with regard to how they feel about all of this that we've been talking about? Yes. I give public talks at religious institutions, and I also give public talks in my community and other communities in Iowa. So, 
you know, I get a little sense of who shows up to those talks. And then I also have the privilege of teaching a couple classes that are about technology and our relationship to it. And so I've been feeling in those talks a growing feeling of being unsettled or being maybe ill served by technology where like the balance between what we get and what we give was like a little bit off. But interestingly, I do follow, I'm not saying I follow every poll, but I do keep track of public polls about attitudes towards technology. And so even though I happen to work at Grinnell College, this is a very robust finding. Two things. One, that the plurality of people consider the effect of big tech on our life to be negative. So that's a very robust finding, and we don't find that in all the polls. And so it kind of rings out. And I don't know if that's because of recent you know, visibility about trying to regulate these markets or what might explain it. But the biggest robust finding from our most recent poll, which we're still trying to make sense of, but I can offer some preliminary thoughts, is that the generational logic is kind of reversed. You would expect people like my age and older, 50 and older, to be the most frustrated, the most cynical about technology, you know, because it's it's newer to us because we had other ways of doing things that worked for us. And so this all seems like a lot of bother, but in fact, it's reversed. And so while a plurality across generations is dissatisfied with tech, one might say, or cynical about its benefits, wow, people under 35, 78% of them say that they think it's on the whole negative and they have concerns about its impact on the future. So I just think that that's incredible because it feels counterintuitive to me in that you would think, oh, well, these digital natives, as we call them, you know, they're much more adept at using these technologies. It's like a first language for them. You know, they spend a lot of time with their devices, but perhaps that's why that if you think of the shift between like human to human interactions and human to machine interactions, they're kind of up to their neck where I'm maybe only up to my waist. You know, I still keep a lot of old ways of doing things and they don't. And so while they're dexterous and they're capable about using the technologies, when you ask them, they they have a lot of misgivings. So I thought that was really significant. And then one of the things that none of the polls that I keep track of, at least, has shown, but ours shows a significant, it's not as profound a difference, but it is significant between gender, which is that women view the future as it relates to artificial intelligence more negatively than men in the most recent poll. Dr. Carla Erickson of the Grinnell College Sociology Department. We spoke via Zoom on Wednesday, October 25th. The Grinnell College National Poll was conducted by Selzer and Company of 1,006 persons during mid-October. The poll has a margin of error of plus or minus 3.1 percentage points. Still to come, addressing employee needs, and later, Five generations spanning 11 decades. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. City School Election Day is Tuesday, November 7th. It might seem a long way away, but now is the time to make a plan. Whether you plan to vote absentee by mail or in person at your county auditor's office before Election Day or at your polling place on November 7th, it's important you take steps now to make your plan at voterready.iowa.gov. Remember, Election Day is Tuesday, November 7th. Information at voterready.iowa.gov. This message brought to you by the Iowa Secretary of State. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, educating, guiding, advising, and coaching Iowa businesses. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at advanceiowa.com. 
The governor has announced a third round of funding for the Child Care Business Incentive Grant Program to encourage employers to offer child care as a benefit to their employees. This round of the grant program will provide $5 million to support child care projects in the state. Funds may be used to support arrangements between employers and child care facilities to reserve child care slots. Applicants can each apply for up to $250,000. The goal is to make child care more accessible throughout Iowa. Proposals are due on Friday, November 2nd. The request for proposals can be found at bidopportunities.iowa.gov. Coming up, helping you get on the road. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Hello, fellow Iowans. This is Michael Swanger, owner of Iowa History Journal. Did you know that when World War II ended in 1945, there were about 25,000 POWs housed at camps in Algona and Clarinda, as well as smaller branch camps throughout our state? Read the first part of our riveting series, Behind Barbed Wire, in the September-October issue of Iowa History Journal. Get your copy of Iowa History Journal at Barnes & Noble, Hy-Vee, Walmart, Books A Million, and iowahistoryjournal.com. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the latest quarterly member survey by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. In this week's business profile, you'll learn about the Pritchard Companies based in North Iowa. Chief Marketing Officer Matt Bradley shared the story of the company, which has a major event scheduled for next week. Pritchard Companies is a 110-year-old automotive establishment, nationwide presence these days, but started as a Ford dealership in Garner area and is now on fifth generation of the same family leading it. That really makes it unique, not just in the auto business, because again, It's only been a little more than a century that we have had franchise auto dealers throughout the country. So the Pritchard family was there at the beginning, but now five different generations. And the company keeps expanding, does it not? The footprint within Iowa keeps growing. Yes, it does. So we just expanded it back into Mason City. So back in years past, Pritchard's has been in Mason City in various forms. But this past summer, just completed the acquisition of Mason City GMC and Nissan. And so that brings Pritchard's back into Mason City under those two manufacturers. I see eight locations, Clear Lake, Britt, Garner, two in Forest City, two in Mason City, one in Belmont. Obviously, this is a purposeful growth pattern. Talk about what it is that you look for in terms of how to make the company grow, but also not overextend as too many do. You have to look for areas that are growing and Pritchard's home is in North Iowa. And so that's always going to be the base of operations. And in the past, growth has gone all the way to Clarion and has since been pulled back and focused here in this area. It's where the family has roots. It's where the company is from. It's where the employees are. Well, there's always an expansion option out there somewhere. This is really where they want to stay focused. And so the move into Mason City was natural because it's right next door to the Lake Chevrolet and Clear Lake. And it's It's, of course, where anyone who's grown up in Britt, Garner, Belmont, Forest City, they're all familiar with Mason City, so it's a natural fit. How many members of the family are currently involved, and is this like many companies where 
everybody of the next generation is a part of it, or does it kind of lean toward one branch of the family tree? So Joe Pritchard is the CEO and president. He started in 1983, and he is generation four. His dad still goes in to work in the Brit office and make sure things are running smoothly. So uh, generations three, four, and five are active in the business at all times. What is it that has allowed a regional family-owned company to survive this long? And I say that because we've had various recessions and depressions and hits to the auto industry, et cetera, over various periods of time. But this family is staying with it as opposed to a half dozen others I can actually name where they said two and three generations, that's it, let's get out of it. What's the secret to why this company remains family operated and remains successful? You know, it's interesting. We were just talking about this, about the 2008 recession, just yesterday, actually. And, And what it really comes down to is that they have always taken care of their employees. Pritchard's is the name on the logo and it's the name on the business. But if you go back to the beginning, there are employees here who have been here as long as Joe has been here. And when they went through the recession, the main focus was, yes, the business has to survive, but how can we do it without losing people? What do we have to scale back to keep our staff here? That just shows, it shows in the employee surveys that this is a place that cares about the people who come to work here and will take care of them. And everybody, it's a symbiotic relationship where the people really want to do well for the company and the Pritchards really want to do well for the people who work here. And we saw evidence of that because the company was named as a top workplace for the first time just this year. I note in the logo, the phrase is Pritchard Family Auto Stores. And that family element, as well as the longevity, that's front and center in terms of how you make your pitch to the community that, in essence, you were here yesterday, you're here today, and you'll be there tomorrow, which in this era is quite a unique proposition. 110 years is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, people really take that seriously, and and they should, because it's not only the same company from 110 years ago, but it's the same family passed down from generation to generation. So there is no more better picture of stability than that based in this community and stayed in this community and has grown and is helping out this community. Obviously, during the pandemic, we had supply chain issues. There were a number of dealerships that I would drive by and I was used to having just rows of new cars down to virtually none. The used car inventory was much more limited. I get a sense that it's a little looser now that there's more product out there, but talk about how Pritchard's addressed some of the challenges of a global pandemic. Obviously, the company had been around during the first pandemic, but it was a very different situation. Well, if you think about it, I mean, they've been in the auto business about as long as the Ford family has. So so they relied on that history and all of the contacts that naturally come with that. They know many, many people in the auto industry, and that really helped them keep the inventory up. And they just, they saw what was coming. So they planned ahead a bit and and just played it smartly. If you drove by different car lots and around that same time, around different dealerships, you saw a lot that did not have much on the lot. And then you saw Pritchard's where it looked almost normal. So as you look ahead to the next five or 10 years, as you and I are talking in October of 2023, there's United Auto Workers strike. We've just come through a pandemic. We have all sorts of concerns about the economy. All of that makes it very difficult to crystal ball things. But what are some of the things that you hope to have control over as you plan the next five years if everything else cooperates? 
Definitely here. <laughs> That's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, 110 years in, in North Iowa means that the next 110 will be in the same location. And you'll see Pritchard's in charge of the company as well, because it's very important that they continue the family line in this company. You'll see more people coming to work here as we expand. We have a national presence through different lines of business, including dump trucks, commercial sales, fleet services, even custom street ride golf carts, custom golf carts that are uh, sold in the villages in Florida. So it's a bit of staying close to home and keeping the roots deep here at home, but also expanding and diversifying the business a bit so that if there is a slowdown in new cars or used cars or whatever, there is another line of automotive that is also growing at the same time. So it's, it's some wisdom on the part of leadership. There really is no better way to talk about something being a family business than connecting an individual and a great-grandson that span of virtually every generation. I mean, that's just fantastic. Is this going to go on to where uh, young Will's going to get his first car someday? Uh, we're a ways away from that. <laughs> well, well, if you ask the parents, it's it's happening a lot faster than anybody assumed. <laughs> Any parent would know that. Who's to say? Who's to say that uh, the company is now uh, in charge of uh, the former Mason City Country Club and it's now the legacy at the 19 and the legacy is because of the family legacy. Bill used to work there as a caddy. And so that was an important organization to the family to keep running and to keep in the community. So maybe there will be a Bill and Will with Bill telling Will that story of how he used to be at Legacy. <laughs> Matt Bradley is Chief Marketing Officer for the Pritchard Companies, online at PritchardCo.com. We spoke via Zoom on Tuesday, October 24th. This coming Tuesday, October 31st, is the 110th anniversary of the cross-country Lincoln Highway being dedicated. To go along with Pritchard's 110th anniversary, the company is driving electric vehicles from east to west across the state, along the path of the Lincoln Highway on that day, starting in Clinton, as a way to honor history and showcase the future. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, providing business solutions and support to small to medium-sized businesses. Let's work together. More at AdvanceIowa.com and search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.